What's up, everybody? This is our podcast, Get Happy, with myself, Coach Heather904. You can follow me on TikTok as Coach Heather904, and also my lovely and beautiful co-host, Cassie. You can follow her on TikTok as little.bo.blacksheep on TikTok as well. And here on our podcast, we talk about trauma, we talk about recovery, we talk about uh, the struggles that we go through with those things, and um, hopeful, helpful healing. So uh, we actually began a book study on a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And we started that about three weeks ago. And we are meeting bi-weekly um, on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And I will uh, link the support group in the description below so that you can follow that if that's something that you want to do. And we are going to talk about chapter three of that book today. And it's actually a really short chapter, but it, um, it's still important. Um, so this will be like a real quick episode. Um, but it really talks about the right and left left parts of our brain and how people who have gone through trauma actually uh, the right side of their brain is very strong and the left side of their brain um, has been diminished or maybe it just didn't develop properly if you have a lot of childhood trauma that would mean the right hemisphere of your brain had an opportunity to develop uh, a lot, whereas the left side of your brain um, didn't have the opportunity to develop because the right side of your brain is your emotional brain. So that's where your music, like things like music, emotion, experience, all of that is stored on the right side of your brain. And then the left side of your brain is where we analyze things, is where we're logical. And the body keeps the score actually says that you can, your emotional brain excuse me your logical brain cannot reason with your emotional brain so that means if you're in a state of irrationality you cannot be rationalized with um so i know me personally whenever i get upset i will i will actually try to do that and i think cassie's the one who told me that's a form of disassociation when you're like i know i'm upset but i'm gonna try to talk myself out of being upset because i shouldn't actually be upset and that's actually another thing called uh cognitive dissonance which we can talk about later on uh in this podcast too so um I actually have some questions pulled up from chapter three. And the first question that Cassie and I are going to talk about is, in what ways has traumatic events made you speechless? Because again, when I was talking about those, the right and the left side of the brain, um, whenever we go through something traumatic, um, that left side of our brain will shut down. And that is where our speech is located. So I don't know about Cassie, I'm sure she could share with us as soon as I get done talking. But with me, whenever I have been in like that fight or flight situation, I'm speechless. And a lot of times actually I get my words get mixed up on this podcast. And that's actually just because I'm a little bit nervous. So the followers, you know, if you've ever heard me say, Oh, excuse me, I can't get my words out. It's because I'm nervous 
this and I want the words to come out but my you know the right and left side of my brain is having like a little war so sometimes my words get a little mixed up and that's a perfect example it's called the brochas area of your brain uh, just kind of going offline a little bit so what about you Cassie whenever you are in fight or flight um, do you feel like you don't have words to say or you're speechless or um, maybe you don't say anything at all maybe you freeze um, because that is part of the speech part of our brain shutting down have have you had experience with that you know yes so um I have never really been able to speak up for myself ever and so it would get to the point with like my mother where like she, I would get screamed at and yelled at to the point that um, I would lose what I was talking about and it got to the point it got to the point hold on one second I'm oh you're fine I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because um, I didn't think about that like me um, being in fight or flight and um, not being able to say what I need to say and um, not sticking up for myself and I, I also the, the book I just underlined and circled this um, a denial is a part of that as well so whenever like threat arises and your body is aware that threat is there but your cognitive brain doesn't register that and that's where denial comes from and I didn't know that I girl I was spent a lot of years in denial sorry my kid was doing a thing but I wanted to throw out that I noticed that when I am in because I've been in a couple of confrontational scenarios lately as I've been going through my healing journey where before I would have literally it's like your mind gets wiped blank when you're talking when you're arguing with someone or when you're in the middle of like narcissistic abuse or an argument it's literally like someone is like empties all the words in your head and it's three to five business days for me to come up with a response from like damn I said that and I with recently in July I had an experience with a racist uber driver and when he when I realized what was going on my mind went blank and I had to like stop and be like my kids are here okay all right and I had the it wasn't it wasn't as clever as if I was responding to a TikTok comment, but it was still, I had some words there where normally I wouldn't have had any words. And the same thing, I had another Uber driver the other day do the same thing about car seats, which it's a taxi service. Like, I don't, okay. And then he, he we argued because he's like, don't say you always use Uber. And I'm like, would you like me to pull up? Like, I was able to be snarky and snippy back at him. Like, would you like me to pull up my Uber history? What, do you think I leave my kids at home? Like, what are you talking? Like, and it turned into this whole thing where I was able to actually have a, a heated back and forth where normally I would have just been like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm getting out of the car. Like, I was able to stay rational and logical, but like dealing with like my mom and sister, same brain goes empty. There's too much I want to say. There's nothing I can say because it's just, you know how it's going to go. 
So. Um, I'm really proud of you for being able to stick stick up for yourself in that Uber situation because me too, whenever I get in confrontational type of situations and I can say like, as I've gotten older, it just gets worse because I look back in my life and I think of times when I stuck up for myself and it's like, I'm not able to do that anymore. So it's like, I can see where, um, I guess like denial, self-sabotaging um, over time. Like it's like I've watched that muscle get weaker and weaker and weaker. So, you know, like the universe gives us these uh, opportunities for us to stick up for ourselves and um, it's kind of difficult. So in hearing that you were able to do that with the Uber driver, I'm very proud of you. And then also um, I can relate to like how you said it just goes blank. Like, and that's like my struggle too, because I don't understand that. Um, that's not something I understand. My mind didn't always go blank, but like I said, the older I get, my mind just goes blank and I don't know what to say. And then, like you said, I think of what I should have said, like probably three to five business days later. And I'm like, well, dang it. Why didn't I think of that? And I guess it's because that's how long it took the logical part of my brain to come back on. And then on top of that, with that being said, you don't think about how these um, little situations are actually kind of traumatic because it's like, okay, we didn't deal with it in the Uber car. But then when your logical brain comes back on five days later, it's literally taken your emotional part of your being five days to deal with that Uber situation. You know, so we think about mm -hmm. like that as adults, like, okay, it literally took me five days to be able to process this. Think about how long it takes us to deal with like things that are extremely traumatic, mm -hmm. you know, like from our childhood trauma. And then if our brains developed that way, if you weren't even old enough to be processing what was going on, your brain just developed into that trauma. So that's just really crazy for me to think like, I got I a wrench know. for you too, because I, I heard the other day that for autistic people, our processing time is longer. So like when someone's like, I can't talk with, about that with you right now, it's because they're like, when they're autistic, their brain hasn't processed it. Like it takes you, like, think about the way that you are still unraveling your childhood trauma now. Think about the way that you're still trying to like go through and weed through your Rolodex of trauma to this day, you're still processing. It's literally like buff, we're just buffering. And so it takes us a minute to go through all of the stuff. And when you're traumatized, you're first trying to make sure it's not your fault. Be that part yep yes because yeah that's like literally like the whole thing of it you you like it's like your whole personality you is you think your trauma is your fault well if I would have just been a little bit better at school maybe my mom would love me or maybe mm -hmm. if I didn't uh have hypersexual relationships with all of these people as a result of my childhood sexual assault trauma, then maybe someone will love, I don't know, I would have met someone who will love me. And then, you know, yeah. you're like, no, that's not how it is. Like, we were literally just it, like having behaviors because of our trauma that didn't have anything to do with our personality. And you're like, what? That was a trauma mm -hmm. response? Mm -hmm. And once I, once you're able to rule out that it isn't your fault, then you start to go on the rest of the rampage to like, literally we are buffering <laughs> for 
15 to 20 business years at that point. And then there's also like the burnout aspect of it where like it takes like six years to recover from burnout. So a lot of us are buffering while recovering from burnout, while gentle parenting, while being neurodivergent and having neurodivergent kit. Like we're, we're just buffering, dude. yeah that's a lot I didn't even know you needed recovery from burnout as well we might record a podcast to talk about that because that's new new news to me yeah neurodivergent burnout is a real thing and it it eats pieces of who you are because you've masked this or you've masked that for so long that's actually another question um, in our que- uh, like chapter three questions that we're going to talk about today. So I'll go ahead and bring that up. Um, it, and the question says, do you have a cover story or mask for your behavior? Yes. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I used to, I used, my cover story used to be that I was violent and unstable because that is the narrative that was fed to me. So um, now it's that I was abused as a child. Like now that I'm three years into this journey, I'm just like, I was abused. I was raised by crazy people, so. Yeah, and the book would even say that that's a cover story because the book says that you shouldn't really even have to apologize or not saying that you are apologizing, um, maybe justifying your behavior um, because you're abused as a child, but the book says you should just be able to just be a human being that doesn't have to justify or apologize or explain anything. Um, but h- here we are, we find ourselves doing that anyways, because me and you both were abused and we are neurodivergent and we do have societal expectations to think and act a certain way. So we don't have to, but it seems like a lot of times people like me and you, Cassie, um, have to explain why we are the way that we are because society uh, wants us to always smile and uh, I don't know, people please and act and, you know, have these ideolations uh, or, uh, or like I said, act or think a certain way. And I know for me, um, just in my personal experience um, a mask thing that I picked up that I'm not proud of um, that but I'm happy to share on this podcast because I hope like maybe it will help other people not do that is um, in my trauma I was the oldest and my mom was yeah my mom was really cold-hearted so I learned and picked up and she was manipulative that I learned and picked up that if I was cold-hearted and I was manipulative, that would save me from getting embarrassed and getting my ass beat. So it kind of made me like a sneaky bully in a way. Um, and, uh, which is kind of funny. You become I'm- undercover critical, dude. You're like, everything you say has got a dagger in it because that's yes. how you were spoken to and you don't even realize how negative or gross you're being until you say it and you're like 
Yeah. Yeah. And and you as as a as a person as a friend have helped me like really see like stop that because like a, a lot of it is like stuff that white people do. You know, it's like that white supremacist caring type attitude, but then it's like like I said it's sneaky. I didn't It's act- the policing of others because they're living in a way that you don't find acceptable while having no right to be deeming other people's way of life acceptable. Yeah, exactly. And that's how my mom taught me to be. And but the, and then it's like you get a pass because you didn't actually say it. You know, like I didn't actually say like I might be treating you like you're ugly, but I didn't actually say that you're ugly. Mm-hmm. You are the one who are who's thinking that. Just like you just think my actions like the way that I'm acting, you know, makes you th- think that I think that you're ugly, but you thought that I didn't say that. You know, like very That's narcissism, dude. That's yes. Yeah, very narcissistic and I didn't realize that that was my personality like that's how I masked and I would hang out with people like that so we will all be like very condescending and like all wrapped up in, like all um boasted and like big you're check. better than everybody while yes. being probably more of a piece <laughs> of shit than the person that you're judging like not you but you but not you know what I mean when I was acting like that, I was being um, a piece of shit. I was, I was being a piece of shit. And then I will gossip and talk bad about people. And then like the same people that I was doing it with, like I will go talk about them. So I know that they're talking about me. So I, I just, and that was like my whole personality wrapped up in that. And like now taking a step back from like, that's really stupid. Like, like no wonder I felt so so like when I was all alone in my bedroom, like I would feel all alone because there's no one that I can actually pick up the phone and call right. whenever I take that mask off because deep down inside, that's not me. I'm not really a manipulative person. I don't like no. to gossip. I don't want to do those things. Dude, you're picking on stuff that you're picking on the things just like your mother picked, just like uh, one of our members said, my mother abused the things in me that she hated about herself. You gossip about the things that you're trying to deflect from yourself on. There's, does that make sense? Like you're gossiping to keep your attention off of you because mm-hmm. what's going on in here is a shit show. So it's easier to talk about Susan's hair. It's easier to pass judgment on Sarah for her husband or whatever. And I just wanted to throw in a mini anti-racist lesson. What you described when done by a white person to a black person is a microaggression, which is why black women get angry black women because you're saying slick shit that only they understand. And so when you say, I didn't really say you were ugly. What are you talking about? But you're saying slick shit. Mm-hmm. And so when they react, they're the ones being policed for the reaction. And whoever said the slick shit gets to do, it's part of the script, throw the rock, hide your hands, play victim, say you're being insulted, ask why you're being bullied. That is literally the white woman's script. So I just wanted to throw that out there but it is it's a script that's used across the board because when you say something slick like gossiping about this person and they say something back to you you're like oh my god why are you being like that oh my god why are you so upset oh my you know what i mean so you still you're throwing the rock hiding your hands playing victim why are you being so mean to me i just said i didn't say that like bro 
we're in the fuck around and find out era now people are standing up for themselves and i'm here for that dude me too i'm so glad like i'm glad that they're here for and i'm glad for you can you explain more about a a microaggression yeah i've never heard that oh yeah no it's saying something slick about like the texture of someone's hair but it's not really an insult or like Hmm. asking someone if their child is their child like people don't think my white child is my child so slick comments about are you the nanny is that your child oh yeah and you know i would even take that a step further um you know uh I think uh, this just made me think of this as like something I've stopped doing is like commenting on people's bodies and I would never mm-hmm. do it in a way that was rude. I would just be like, oh it's my always God, rude though. You look great. And I'm like, but then that kind of implies that before they started working out that they didn't look great. So you also I, got I was factor in, like, uh, oh, you've been working out good for you. Like, that's it. Like, just, just leave their body. I would out refrain from any of it because you don't know who's recovering from an eating disorder. Yeah. Comments either way can be detrimental to the per. Like, I had to tell my mother-in-law, former mother-in-law, to stop talking about, oh, Elias is getting pudgy. Because she says it in front of him. And I, I asked her, I was like, do you remember the women in your family talking about your body? Do you remember that? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, did it feel good? Well, no. Then why are you doing it to a six-year-old? He's pudgy because he's perfect because he's in the house. It's a pandemic, remember? We're in a pandemic. Yeah. Everybody's sitting around. Yeah, everybody's kids probably a little pudgy. We're all inside and we're sitting on our butts all day. Like, and we eat, he eats, he eats good food. Like, it's not junk, he eats fruit. Like, it's just the way his body looks. Like, he's six. All of us were pudgy at six. Except yeah. for the moms that told you to drink water when you were hungry. Yeah, that yeah, that part. Uh or or how about just a piece of fruit? That part. Eat some crackers. So yeah. you know, I saw, like I saw a TikTok on that yesterday about um uh like body dysmorphia and you know, like the moms are like, you know, you'd look great if you just lost a little bit of weight. That part that part and I also pulled up the definition for microaggression it's a term used for commonplace daily verbal behavioral or environmental slights whether intentional or unintentional that communicate hostile derogatory or negative attitudes toward towards stigma stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups slick shit I'm really glad that I mean I I I mean I have like the awareness to like know that people do that and what that is is or when it's happening but I didn't know that that actually had a term for it called microaggression. So thank you for teaching me about that and that's something that I will continue to not do and what what's difficult for me now is I am a lot better about not partaking in those negative behaviors but you know because of where i live i'm still around a lot of people who will do that or act that way so i get these opportunities be like you know that's not really cool how you said that or i'm really not good at like you know earlier we talked about sticking up for ourselves you know so saying like 
you know, I just don't really appreciate the microaggression that you're displaying right now, or I don't really appreciate your slick comment. Um, that that's a new skill for me. So one thing I have learned, I have yet to use it, but it seems so simple that it's stupid. Ask them, what do you mean by that? Oh, that is a good one. Because you're using a lot of big, you know where you live. You're, you, there's a lot of big words in what you just said. <clears throat> and a lot of your population thought that President Trump was coming back tomorrow, yesterday. So, I mean. They still have the Trump Pence stickers on I the know. back of their cars here. And yesterday, okay, I told you we went to a theme park, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the theme park is in Southeast Georgia where my family's from i did the ancestry thing okay, okay. so right. yeah so there's like a lot of lineage between that part of georgia and where i live in florida like we're connected by a river and anyways so i we, we were driving down there on the interstate and there was this huge i mean big ass confederate flag just swaying and i'm just like why do they have that on display on this because it's this their highway? heritage it's their heritage but it was just there there was like no church or no uh store it was just this big flag in the middle of nowhere on the highway and i'm and i, I know it's their heritage but i'm just no it's to let people like me know you ain't welcome here that's that makes me so sick a microaggression. The united states of yeah it's a microaggression i'm like this is the united states of america i'm like burn that motherfucking flag burn it <laughs> they want to reserve the right to make babies with children and subjugate women and put black folks in chains they're trying to reserve that right we have five and this is off topic five different states have slavery on the ballot in this upcoming election so i'm just saying just saying we should um i don't have that pulled up on my computer but i would like to know we'll talk that. about that as it gets closer yeah but yeah, no, yeah. The, the Confederate flag is a symbol of the good old days. The only thing I feel like, which I know you did quote people who see and didn't see your quotation. Oh yeah, quote. Um, yeah, the, the only, when I see that, all I think of is like, people still want slavery to be in this country. And I'm like, why would you endorse that? Why? I don't, I can't Because fathom you it. fall under it too, because white women fall under it too. You guys have this nice little role that you get to play where like you're not really a slave but you're not the white man like you're comfortable you're good even though you get treated like shit by the white man does that make sense i mean it makes i mean it makes kind of sense I, I don't like it for me but i can't i know like where people like their white woman um uh, they shut up and they do what they're told yeah yeah they punch yeah, down when they need to and yeah. so yeah and i mean honestly um on the same on the question of do you go blank that is a lot of the reason because white women are treated so poorly from the time that they're little by their mothers by their fathers sexualized and sent into the world being these toxic beacons of sh hot shitty boo-boo mess that is why we go blank that's why you see Karen's Karening. They don't have, when someone tells them no, they don't have the mental capacity and processes. Either they weren't taught or they were raised in a in the chokey. And so it's it's literally throw the whole toolbox. I got no more tools. You said no, I'm just gonna throw the whole box at you and then act like a victim.
Yeah, or they just say, uh, or they just just shut down and shut up. <laughs> it, yes, they, but they, those they say, I don't oh. see. I don't. I feel like there's not as many of those. I feel like it's more women that like, and it's not just white women because it's not just it, in general. You see people act in a fool. I have a viral video from when I very very first got on TikTok, like seven million views between these couple of videos. I know, right? I have if you I have like a half a million, and most of them came from those videos. And it was a black woman doing the same thing. It's it's not so much color, it's more the mental process. It is more depending on how you grew up. And so again, you thrown into fight or flight and you don't really know what to do or say because you've never seen that interaction played out in any other way than you screaming or mom screaming. And does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, and that's why you see so many adults walking around now acting like children because they literally have never seen, like you said, a no play out before. They've always been told yes. So then all their childish fears come out of projection when they hear the word no. Mm -hmm. And what, like in our house, it's really important for, especially with my ex. If he, if my oldest hears us argue, it is doubly important that he sees us resolve conflict because that is another piece that a lot of us didn't get. So we don't know how, like after the argument, everybody just goes away for two months and then comes back and everything's fine. Nothing happened, right? So it's very important that we teach our children as we're learning how to resolve conflict because I was yesterday years old. So he knows when you harm someone, you don't get to tell someone how they're supposed to feel about being harmed. And if they're not ready for an apology, they don't have to take it from you. And you got to sit with that. But you always have to come back and be like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. So it's really important because that that's the other side of the process. We, we most of us have half cocked processes in our head because there was never a a resolution uh yeah I know for me my mom would act crazy you know she would get drunk and and do all her stuff and her her blackout drunk and act crazy and then the next day we would just have to act like nothing ever happened and as a 30 year old I can look back at my life and see where I made mistakes and then the next day I was like well I'm just gonna act like um that never happened Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) That's because that's what I learned how to do. And I mean, sometimes that is okay to do. Uh, maybe if uh, if you're able to, I, I feel like if what you did just affected you and you're able to shake it off and just be like, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake again and move on. That's great. But if your decision has affected other people, then you can't really move on that way. You need to be accountable and apologize or fix things or smooth things over whatever you need to do with other people. Let's see. So, um, I uh, in chapter three, and we kind of have already talked about this a little bit, but in chapter three, um, with them discussing the brain scans and everything, they also really talk about uh, ways that we get stuck in fight or flight. So the four main ways that people can get stuck in fight or flight are not are known as um, freeze, fawn, 
fight or flight. Uh, that's where fight or flight comes from. And for people who aren't, who may be not aware of this, so humans are like our bodies are wired to run or pre, you know run away from stress. So our omlangata is a little almond-shaped piece of our brain that controls fear. And whenever that um, turns on we have cortisol and adrenaline and different hormones like that that pump throughout our body and in history whenever that was happening usually a bear was chasing us or we were maybe a few days without food and maybe we finally found some food but now we don't have those same type of stressful type situations now it's like am I going to pay my rent on time uh, I'm stuck in traffic and I'm running late to work where these things are not life-threatening but it's a chronic uh, stressful situation that's happening every day so every day we're getting exposed to like these little micro type of thing a stressful type of situations and when we're in these situations usually humans are wired to either run away which is flight or they stand up and fight which is fight but then I also told you that there's two other ones that humans fall under as well and that's freeze which is where the part of the podcast Cassie and I've been talking about where the brochas area of your brain goes completely blank and that's where you're not able to say anything or communicate or say how you feel especially with trauma survivors you might be able to articulate what happened but I guarantee you you can't articulate all the feelings that's going on inside of you like how does your back feel how do your knees feel like what are you doing with your hands how's your stomach feel how's your gut feel is your heart rate accelerated does your blood feel hot like a lot of trauma survivors are not able to tell you how they feel and that's because that um uh Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. That part of their brain is shut down. I couldn't. I couldn't remember the 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 uh, your brochas area just yeah, went offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the brochas areas went offline. The freeze part, and then this is actually something that I'm learning more and more about now in my trauma recover is fawning. So fawning is what you know, like I think of a little deer because this a, de- a deer is a fawn. Like I think that's a baby deer, mm-hmm. and you think of the deer like with its face in the headlights and it doesn't do anything it just stares at you and it just waits for you know like to get hit by the car and that is what some humans do when they're presented with a confrontational uh situation is they just stare at you they don't know what and then uh some trauma survivors have learned uh a way to survive out of that is to people please so i just i freeze right so this is me i'm talking about myself i freeze in the confrontational type situation and i think how can i get out of this quickly and my brain says to just people please the fuck out my way out of it so just be very nice and smile and just worry about their feelings and that has 100 been my go-to like my entire life and i am to be honest with you cassie I'm so exhausted from it. Like it's very exhausting to always be hyper vigilant of other people's feelings. And I'll yep. tell you, <clears throat> excuse me. 
I went to a Gator game with my husband a few weeks ago and there was almost 100,000 people there and instead and there was quite a few times where I was very worried about the man that was sitting right next to me and we were shoulder to shoulder and I just kept thinking like this guy probably hates that my shoulders touching his shoulder and I just kept worrying about what this man was thinking and finally after doing this probably like the I don't know like the 47th time I was like Heather you're being hyper vigilant of this person uh-huh. who you've never met before who you're never gonna see again you don't know his name like I, I barely remember what he looks like and it just made me realize like I was fawning I'm uh-huh. so worried about this guy and I'm like he bought the ticket he signed up for this he knew we were gonna be shoulder to shoulder why the fuck are you worried about uh-huh. shoulder touching this guy's shoulders worried about and I'm just brought that up because that's how my life is I'm always uh-huh. like, did I did I offend the person who's checking me out at the grocery store did I did, oh did, am I driving to am I offending the person in traffic right now by going 72 miles per hour like my brain is literally uh-huh. always wired to be in this fun state of being and that is annoying so um it's I- why you apologize at the grocery store for existing when someone walks by you that's literally yeah. why you apologize at to, to strangers for needing to be in the same space, whereas they don't yeah. give a shit and push by you. Yeah, that's my entire personality. I'm so tired of it. And I know I just did a lot of explaining and talking. So yeah, like, do you struggle with that? Or if you see people doing that, like, uh, what do you think about it? So I don't do it. The lesson that I am learning right now, especially doing having the projects that I have and touching on the subjects that I touch on between this and my other projects, not everyone is going to like me. And that is okay. My tea has a very acquired taste, special blend. It's too hot for some folks and it don't taste right for others. And the best thing that I can hope to do is because my content if you are fragile, whether, because I do with you, we do trauma stuff, and the other thing is a racially based, it's biracial girls. So I noticed that if you're fragile, accountability sounds like an attack. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I can't be, I just got called a racist this morning on TikTok because um, I made a comment about a white man with black kids saying dumb shit. And I'm just, that's fragility. You you can't look at me and call me, I'm, I'm actively an anti-racism advocate. You know what I mean? And so I had to be like, your intellect scares me. And I'm going to just speak what I know and speak my facts. And you're over here. And I was like, you're reading off the script. I don't know what to tell you. And it's really, it's been hard to get to that point because same. Up until like about a year ago, I was worried about everybody. And I actually realized in my journey that I still wasn't like a year and a half ago that I was not healing for me. I was still healing to unoffend my family. And those two things, that's cognitive dissonance. Those two things do not jive. 
they hate me because of the person that I am. They hate me because I say the shit that they're afraid to say because mm-hmm. they're worried about grandma's feelings and Allie's feelings. And, you know, they're, they're worried about placating. I have placated I have played enough cakes in my life, if that makes sense. I am placating not another fucking soul as long as I live. And it takes, it took me like a really long time to get there. Other than that, like I said, I apologize to strangers at the grocery store for existing. If we're in the same space at the same time, it's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, bro, we all came to, like you said, we all came to the store. It's, it's we just happen to turn the aisle at the same time and it is like you talked me through an anxiety attack the other day where i was resisting the urge to fawn and i turned down that job interview remember the whole like they're gonna get mad at me girl it's a stranger it's a stranger it doesn't break or make nothing they're not gonna put your name on some permanent records where you never get another job like girl it's okay you, you don't have to write and explain and do, you just don't want the job. Period. Yep. And so it's, yeah, it's really hard to come out of because we are made to be fawns because our parents fly into these rages that only us inserting our heads into their ass would stop. We had to do everything and be everything perfectly in order for them to stop haranguing. And that's how it kind of carries over with your bosses too. They smell it on you. That's why you end up working for bosses that know how to say that stuff, that activate. My last employer manipulated my mental health to the point where I almost needed to be committed because they knew what they were. They could tell I was a, a fawner. They could see it. Yeah, and a lot of, like, bosses and stuff, they'll tell you, like, they are actively looking for people who they can train to do it their way, and not that necessarily that's a bad thing because you want your business to be successful, but they'll tell you, well, we don't like to hire people who've worked at another company and done it another way because then they're not going to do it our way, and, you know, like that just goes to show like what you said they're they're looking for people who will come under their umbrella and i think that that's probably like a lot of not everybody but there's a lot of people who just actively look for people who they know they can manipulate to do it their way like Mm -hmm. and i there's so i'm sure there's like all companies have to do it but there's some companies i'm sure like they like you said you work for people who didn't want black people you know what i mean so like there's some people like i was saying like there's some companies that take it way too far but also uh, there's people who take it way too far as well and yeah they just they know like this is a people pleasing person and i know (laughs) if i just say this just the right certain way this person's gonna think that i'm attacking them and then they're gonna apologize and i'm gonna get my way they know that Mm -hmm. and if you're neurodivergent too girl if you're neurodivergent on top of that you be thinking about everything that someone says their body like when you're traumatized and neurodivergent you can read like slight changes in a facial expression body language and you're automatically you're triggered and activated and you're already trying to like preemptively fawn to make them not and they and again if they know how to do it 
they know to just use that body motion. They know to put that expression on their face because it's going to trigger you to do what they want you to do without you having to tell them to do it. Yeah, because they probably had some sibling or some young person to practice on or whatever. So they, it's in their instinct. They literally know how to manipulate people. They so, smell it on us. Yeah. They smell the broken yeah. on us. Yeah, they really do. And I'm glad that we're talking about this on this podcast because me, I always give people the benefit or old me, I would give the people the benefit of the doubt. And I'd be like, someone would never take advantage of me. They would never lie to me. And I'm like, Heather, yes, the fuck they would. <laughs> yes, that's, they would. <laughs> that's neurodivergence. Did you know that uh, autistic and neurodivergent kids are like, I don't know the exact statistic, but we are way more likely to be bullied because we believe in the good in everybody. And so people like will literally set you up to like get assaulted, get beat up, get jumped, get robbed. And you're like, they would have never done that to me. They're my friends. We, we don't understand because that's not how we function. So we yeah. go through the world expecting you, you expect yourself from everybody else, not realizing that you are a tiny little goldfish that got dumped into a tank of piranhas. And by the end of it, you're wearing some of their scales and shit. So you know how to like move through their world, but it, it takes learning to figure out if it smells or feels like what you think it is, it's probably what you think it is. You've been bullied enough. Yeah, absolutely. You should always listen to your your gut instinct because, like, that's probably why I have ulcerative colitis because <laughs> I've spent my entire life not listening to my gut. That part. You're going <laughs> to listen while you're on the toilet, girl. Now we're going to give you some downloads. Listen. Yeah, be like, you're all alone. You have no distractions except for your phone because who doesn't poop without their phone? But anyways, it's like you have no distractions. You're stuck in the bathroom. Think about what you did or exactly. didn't do. <laughs> I'm having spinal surgery on Thursday and it's literally the universe's way of saying, sit down, get off your goddamn phone and be present. You're going to be present and you're going to have to be hyper aware of your body and your kid's body for the next two months while your spine heals. Sit down, shut up, and think about what you did. I'm sorry. I will hold your hand. I'll be there for you while you go through sure. it. That is that is good that your mind and your body's telling you, hey, I got to heal. So you're doing all the things that you need to do to heal. Same, same. Like our body, when we don't listen for so long, we get set down to listen. And in your case, it's literally like it's literal. Sit down and think about what you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you're going to sit on the toilet. You're going to sit on your throne. And now you really going to. Yeah, because like literally every time my ulcerative colitis bothers me, I think about my trauma because that's where it came from. And I'm like, okay, like. I have physical manifested physical symptoms of my trauma now. Like I literally have got to <laughs> get a hold of this. Maybe, and this might be kind of gross, but like slightly off topic. Maybe you could gaslight yourself into like, with every time you go, name it, name it a piece of your trauma, and physically release it. Oh my god, that that's 
Oh my god, I'm gonna do that. I'm like, I am birthing this turd of embarrassment. I'm gonna flush it right down the toilet. No more feelings of shame for me. That part, dude, that that is positive gaslighting if I ever heard it. Because I know that when I have big emotional breakthroughs that like when I cry, the amount of snot that comes out of my body where did it I don't I am not a snotty nasally post nasal drip I'm not that girl so then when you know and it, it literally feels like that's all the, the tears that I didn't cry for all of those years coming out in that one break I'm just telling you like name name it I name my snot and then I throw the tissue away that's good yeah um like we was talking about earlier before we started recording this podcast you know we were talking about yoga and how all that trauma gets stored in your body and I'm sure like you got sludge in there and probably tears and snot and probably probably even like shit like I'm I don't know how trauma gets all stuck in there but there's probably all kinds of like nasty stuff because I mean if you think about it, like what, what, where does disease come from? So probably all that yucky stuff that we had yeah. to deal with and how it got trapped in there. It's hard to tell how it's stuck. And all the screams, we never scrumped. Like there's that, those scream sounds on TikTok, that that's bubbling up in here. I just need space to let it out with, because if I did it right now, I would, someone would call the cops and think I was being murdered because it's that deep. It, yeah. yeah, I went to a rage room one time and that was intense. I want to go to one. They have one down the street. Uh, if you ever have the chance, you should definitely go. I sledgehammered a flat sc- an old school flat screen TV, you know, like the big ones for like mm-hmm. 10, 15 minutes to corn freak on a leash. It was and I was just like, <gasps> I hate you fuck you mom and my cousin was with me and she was like wow she was like I knew Heather was crazy I didn't know she was that crazy no you know you got that in there and you're just trying to shame me because you can't let your own out I know I was like girl I'm like you girl work too I'm like get in there I'm like you got in there too okay trust (laughs) the process boo boo this is healing I'm just Uh that that's the slick shit that's the slick shit. Oh, I knew she was crazy. Instead of saying like, wow, she's getting all her anger out. Cool. Now you're crazy. That's mm-hmm. slick shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, my cousin is slick. She do she do be saying some slick shit like that sometimes. Start asking her, what do you mean by that? I'm telling you, anybody that's in your life that you don't want to be there, start using that phrase. Like, I don't know how your relationship is with that cousin, but start asking people, what do you mean by that? Because there, there's no answer. Yeah, I'm definitely going to start doing that. I have people in my mind that I could use that for. <laughs> uh, hmm. I love that for you. I can't oh. wait to go to a wage room, a wage room, a rage room. I don't want to go to a wage anything. Rage room, rage room. I can't wait for you to go as well. Maybe that can be something we can talk about on our spiritual toolbox. That part. I would love to see the closed, the footage from inside of those rage rooms. Like, I would love that because that is trauma healing all by itself. I would love to see that. 
Uh, yeah, like the girl that that told that was running it, she told me she was like, I'd rather people come in here and pay a hundred dollars to smash a piano than have to go pay their bail. And she said a lot of people don't go to jail because of that place, bro. The amount of rage that simmers below the just below the wrong personal, like I'm telling the Uber driver, like he almost got me, I almost smashed his windshield with a stroller. Like he almost got me. I I should go to a rage room. It's bubble. Yeah, no, it's most people that are in trouble are just they were aggressive at the wrong time to the wrong person. Yeah, I I know with me with my attitude, it's just because I'm projecting what's wrong with me onto other people, and sometimes it doesn't even have anything to do with what they piss me off about like I don't know they just piss me off about something and I have a lot of deep embedded feelings about that thing from a long time ago so I would just accidentally project all of my feelings like like for example um I I think it was you that told me I was projecting my hurt feelings of my family onto my dentist because I have dental trauma and my dentist hurt me last week with her dental tool so I was very angry at her because my parents hurt me when I was a kid so I wanted to take all my anger of my parents hurting me in my mouth as a kid on my dentist when they hurt me so it's like you never know when that anger it's like a -a whack-a-mole you know you never know when someone's gonna come up and just hit this mole on your head and it makes the this mold pop up you know it's like that for me absolutely it is when you your brain doesn't know that it's yesterday or today or tomorrow. like your brain doesn't know they just know that it feels the same as it yes. felt back then so yeah you're right and that was actually in the reading of the chapter three like in the brain scan of the body keeps the score uh there was a a story about a woman in there named martha or marcia i can't remember but um she was coming home from school from her daughter's school she picked her daughter up from school i think her daughter was like maybe five six seven years old and uh she got t-boned and her daughter died instantly and she She was was trying to click the seatbelt and she Ah. looked away from the road and ran a red light and she also lost the baby she was carrying too yes and the book said that even though 13 years had passed since that happened when they showed her like images of of the car accident her body could like like and they had her hooked up to a brain scan and wires and everything and her body could not tell that 13 years had passed her body literally thought her she just lost her daughter that day so what you just said is true like your body doesn't when your body keeps the score it does not keep time that part and it just literally like you said in the beginning like your brain is wired to run away from stress and yes our brains are literally wired to keep us alive which is why like for and I can only speak on my mom and sister that I knew two years ago but like that's why they stay in the existences that they're in because it is safe because if you're just sitting in your bed every day nothing bad can happen to you short of like the stuff that bills and stuff like that you're staying in your house because your brain is trying to keep you alive but safe is not safe 
And when you get stuck in those patterns, like I'm working my way out of one right now where I just literally stayed and kept myself hidden away from the world. And I realized I was literally just following in their footsteps. Safe is not happy. And so it's, it's terrifying to step outside of that. It is terrifying to go and put myself in the situations that remind me or trigger me to the past, but they're going to keep coming up in different shades until you deal with them. And if you really are on a spiritual journey, then you develop all these tools in your hermit mode that you go into the world. You have to now practice what you preach. If that makes That's sense. Why they're called growing pains. It hurts really bad and it's not easy. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's not fun, but you just have to put yourself out there and you just got to keep trying because if you don't, then like you either die or you, like you said, get stuck in that safe cycle, but it's not very, not it's very the same safe. as dying. It's the yeah. same as dying. It really is. Yeah. Cause if you're just laying in your bed every day and you're too scared to go leave your house, like that's no way to live. I mean, if it works for you, that's great. You know, I'm not a dis uh, like uncondoning that way of life, but if it doesn't work for you, then you gotta, you know, just work up a little courage and just keep trying. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I don't want to say this. Staying in your bed all day keeps your meat sack alive, right? But what about your soul? My soul has never felt more, I have not felt more alive than I have in these last six months as I'm trying to put myself in the world. Yes, we fuck up because we're traumatized and we didn't learn how to people as kids. And so you know, we go, we're, we're putting ourselves out there. And that is so brave for all of us that have been in that situation that and lived through that trauma. The fact that we are to come back out of it and we're trying to put ourselves in situations that would have previously ended very differently. Like me a year ago, that Uber driver, I would have just been like, okay. And in this moment, I was like, boy, I'll punch you in your face. And that's not me, but it is me, but it's not me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. It makes me think it's like for us, like living this new way of life and putting ourselves out there, I think is equivalent to us going to China and trying to like live with Chinese people. Like we don't speak Chinese. We don't eat Chinese. We don't know how to cook Chinese food. But I'm going to assimilate to the culture. I'm going to figure it out. That's right. Yeah. Respectful. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I think that this was a absolutely wonderful chapter three topic. Thank you so much, Cassie, for always speaking with me. Uh, I, I really love talking about this and like talking about the fight, fawn, freeze. Look, look, look at me. I can't get it out. Freeze, fight, fawn. Flight. Flight. Thank you. And the brooches area of the brain and um, some of the other things that we talked about. I also want to um, encourage, again, our listeners to c come to all our uh, support group and our um, book study. Uh, our next meeting is going to be on Zoom uh, October the 
4th at 8 o'clock p.m. And again, I'm going to put the link for that in the comments uh, or in the description of this podcast episode. So you can click on there and find more information. We have worksheets and um, you can, you'll find the Zoom link there for our uh, group meeting. But thank you so much for everybody who is listening and we will be back to you next week. Uh, thank you so much and goodbye. See ya.